Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We always say a good story has to have a beginning, middle, and end. And going back to that relatability factor, also something that's a little outside of the box, a little different, because I think people's attention spans these days, they've seen everything. They know it all. So if you kind of can go from a different angle or highlight something that maybe hasn't been highlighted yet, I feel like that can really at least capture attention. Definitely. I mean, if we're thinking just in terms of what makes a funny story or what makes a catching, like an eye-catching hook, which would be the first three to five seconds of a video, we have a lot of comedy tropes that we rely on and just like making a big thing small and a small thing big. So like the end of the world is not a big deal. Your pencil breaks, it's the end of the world. A spokesperson with a really specific point of view that taps into something relatable and that's maybe unabashedly who they are and is inspirational, aspirational to people watching. All those little factors, I think, help make a story or even an ad. We really look up to the Harmon Brothers who <laughs> created the Breeze, Quaddy Potty, all those ads because they took some big risks and kind of opened the door for everybody else. And it paid off for them. How you day, how you day. Those are the voices of Shelby Dash and Christina Clifford. Have you ever thought of comedy as a way to drive sales, to build an audience, to build a community? Well, that's what these two amazing ladies walk us through. Not only do you learn about their journeys to where they are today, but you also learn about unique tricks and skills that you can use to bring out the vulnerability in yourself and use that as a means of connection to your intended audience. I love their career paths. We had a blast recording this episode. And please make sure you check out what they're up to. The links will be in the show notes. And they've got a lot of content coming up. So ensure that you are supported. Please support, right? Support. <laughs> That's enough of me. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today I'm so excited because I have two amazing guests, Shelby Dash and Christina Clifford. Both of them are professionally trained comedic actresses, and they started making comedy videos just for fun in 2015. And what started out as a passion has soon and blossomed into this career where they're working with various brands, they're working with various businesses, they're approaching people for custom video content and people approaching them, it's vice versa. And one of the most fascinating things that I've loved about doing research on their background is just how they realize that this is no longer a hobby and they're going to make this a lifestyle. Welcome to the show. Hi. 
Thank you so much. That was so nice. Yeah, we're excited. <laughs> No, it's a pleasure to have you both on. And the reason why I really like that realization of uh, moving from hobby to lifestyle is I think a lot of us get to that point in our lives. You know, life is a journey where we realize that what we are creating can actually be something that we do for the rest of our lives. Not many people do that. (laughs) Some get afraid because there's not enough proof in the pudding. But then there are others that take that leap. So why did you two take the leap? Well, first of all, there was a lot of fear involved throughout the years, even just doing the comedy videos for fun. There was a lot of fear there. And what's nice about a partnership is that we can kind of support each other and help each other take those leaps. And for a long time, we were doing the comedy videos and we were putting so much time and effort and it's a lot that goes into it. So we started to get a little burnt out. We were like, whew. We can't keep doing this and our day job. And we need to start making money from this at some point. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it was really the pandemic too that kind of pushed us over the edge. We both lost our jobs that were taking up a lot of our time. And we kind of thought, why don't we just try to turn this into a business of its own? And we've been doing it ever since. And it's been pretty great. We wish we had done it sooner. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was going to say, because I, I was watching one of your interviews and both of you had said that. You wish you had done it sooner. Why do you wish you had done it sooner? It's so funny. It never occurred to us to do the branded thing. I think because for a long time, we're both actresses as well. So we're like on that train. You don't see the opportunity sometimes until it arises. And during the pandemic, we got connected with this ad agency that was in Sweden randomly. And we started doing videos for them and we were pitching them ideas. And the guy was like, I'm blown away by all these ideas. Like, this is so great. And we were kind of like, huh, okay. Well, I guess we have something. And from there... There you came. Now, I do believe you have something, but I, I also believe that every lived experience and every experience we have is filled with clues that lead to whatever passions that you have. Now, both of you, Interestingly enough, you studied this, right? So Shelby, USC Theater and Communications. We went to school around the same time. I was realizing 2007. Oh, yeah, nice. I know. And Christina, Coastal Carolina, and you studied musical theater. So when you were studying musical theater, Christina, and you were studying theater and communications, Shelby, what kind of career path were you envisioning way back then? I thought that I was just going to be an actress. That's it. That's all I thought. I was like, I'm going to be an actress. I want to be on TV. That's all I thought. I think what kind of drove me crazy about just acting is that you don't have a lot of control. Your fate is kind of left up to casting directors and producers. So much of it comes down to things that are completely out of your control, like how you look, if you look too similar to the lead on the show, or if you don't look enough like the character and someone else does, or your accent or whatnot. So I wasn't loving that lack of control because I am a control freak. (laughs) So that's kind of how we started making these comedy videos for fun because, you know, that was a place where we could actually have control over the content that we were putting out and how we were presenting ourselves and being funny and getting opportunities. That's USC and then USC in Coastal Carolina. And over in Coastal Carolina, were you saying music, <laughs> music, Broadway? I live in New York City. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's funny is I have a decent singing voice. My mom has always been like, you need to sing for the world, like share your gift. And I think, <laughs> I think a part of that, I was 
a little self-conscious about the singing. And even though I did go to school for musical theater, my plan was always to come to LA and try the acting route. But like you said, I do think there were hints along the way. I remember in an English class in college, I had written this paper. And when the teacher was giving the grades back and the papers back, I saw him like handing out my paper to everybody in the class with like a perfect score. And I was like, this is so embarrassing, first of all. I think that was a hint that I didn't really take. And then in acting class, I remember we did an exercise where we would write for the other actors. And I remember the teacher saying, Christina, you're a writer. And I was like, huh. And I didn't take that either. (laughs) Didn't take that hint either. And then, yeah, I think after a while, you just learn that there are other avenues. It's not just one straight line. And the reason why I wanted to start there is because I know that you two are also screenwriters for TV and film right now. To your point, Shelby, you get to control some things here. (laughs) (laughs) And characters. And you, Christina, you are using the writing gifts that your teachers were hinted at early on. And then you also write your ads as well. So that journey of ownership, of skill set, what was that like for you where you wrote your first ad, you got that first client, and then you said, even though I'm not acting as much now, I can still create and do some acting as well as create opportunities for the acting. What was that journey like? Because the typical path that normally actors would take when you think about building a career in the entertainment space. It's a long journey. That's for sure. <laughs> it ain't short. Okay. <laughs> Specifically with the screenwriting, it's interesting you brought that up because our first screenplay that really kind of like pushed us more into the professional territory. I think we spent three years on that, if not more, just writing after rewriting and just pushing through, pushing through and hanging in there. Our first thing we wrote was a pilot. And I remember we looked at back on it recently and I was like, this is so bad. (laughs) You got to love where you start though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What's nice about it that when I look back as well, though, is all the time we spent in this acting career on all the tools we've learned with that is what has helped us with the writing. Mm -hmm. We can hear it a little more when we're writing a screenplay. I'll full on act it out when I'm writing it. And then we'll see how it sounds. We're like, "Mm, something's not right with that rhythm. And then we'll try again and we'll full blown act it out. So I think Mm -hmm. the two and two really go hand in hand. Thankfully. I'm sure they do. I watched a few of the commercials and I was like, oh, they're really committed. You know, they're really committed <laughs> to the roles. <laughs> and you played out. Then I watched the ones you did for clients and I could see the behind the scenes. You have a beautiful thing on your website. She's checking out the problem solution where you're narrating what's the creative process behind that. And I saw how that was implemented in the ad. And so I'm wondering when you first met each other, since you were on opposite coast, did you see each other acting each <laughs> scenes out? <laughs> and then did you just go with their improv and say, oh, by the way, I'm Christina. Hey, <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, luckily we met when we were here in Los Angeles at an acting class. But I remember the first time she put up a scene, I was like, God, that girl's funny. <laughs> like, I just thought she was so funny. And then I remember hearing through the grapevine, oh, she's trying to make this content and do all these things. And this was way before, you know, the oversaturation of Instagram and YouTube. It was like before all that. And I was like, gosh, she's motivated. She's dedicated. I need that girl in my corner. (laughs) And then you, you shall be like, yeah, sure. We'll do that. (laughs) Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I remember she was kind of going back and forth to New York for a while after we initially met. So 
I'd be like, oh, let's make a video. She was always like ready and excited and always super funny, brought great ideas. And then she'd go to New York and I'd be like, later. (laughs) (laughs) Then she'd come back. And then after a while, it was kind of like realizing like, okay, this person like gets me. They get my humor. They are super funny and I get their humor. We're both committed to consistently putting content out because, you know, there's a lot of people, especially when you're in a creative field and you're first starting and trying to find your tribe. There's a lot of people that might say they want to do it. And then, yeah, they're all gung ho. And then when the going gets tough, they're nowhere to be found. And I'm glad that you have had each other through that because like you said, it's a long road and pandemic brought a lot of things to so many people and people really had to make some choices. And it sounds like you decided to intensely go through here when I think of your career, I'm a huge consumer of content. I'm sure you're very familiar with uh, Ryan Reynolds as well with his video marketing. I don't know if he's an inspiration to you, but I've always loved how he uses his self and whatever version of himself to create. You know, I'm going to insert my aviation gin here or my football club in Wales and all these things. And then he ended up creating a marketing company. And I'm noticing that with a lot of creatives, a lot of actors and a lot of entertainers where they're realizing that they have unique skill sets that are translatable everywhere. And a big thing that you believe in, both of you, philosophy is that, you know, you believe the content is what we need. It's the new currency. And so that shift in Hollywood and entertainment, when did you realize that that content and ability to be relatable with content is actually the new form of currency? When we first started pitching to potential clients, just from doing the comedy videos before we even started this process of the business, we noticed that the videos that were performing the best were the relatable videos. Those were the ones that were getting, yeah, shared. Like people see it, they're like, oh, this is I so neat. They share it with their friends, their family. And then in the pitching process, a lot of the time when we pitch those ideas that are relatable and it's relatable humor, the client lights up. They can see how it fits in with their consumer base. So it's kind of a bunch of different things, I think, that all led us to that direction. And just like anyone that does comedy knows, I think if you've ever done stand-up or anything like that, it's when people can relate to your troubles and you make them laugh at them, like that's the most powerful connector. Yeah. And even before that, when we were just doing the comedy videos for fun, we were always trying to take from our own lives what happened today that was weird, but this probably happens to a lot of people, but no one says it out loud. And then I think when someone says something like that out loud and they're like, oh, someone else said it. Okay, that's funny. And they can like relax a little bit because we're all flawed. This world is flawed. (laughs) (laughs) So if we can all laugh at it a little bit, you know, it brings us closer together and connects us as human as well if we want to get meta. (laughs) I love that. And to the point of relatability, I think when people can see themselves in something, they connect more. Mostly in audio podcasts. I'm going to experiment with video. We'll see. <laughs> you probably didn't see what you didn't see. The audience is that Shelby took a gulp of water. And I was like, oh, it's okay for me to do the same. And I just pulled, <laughs> I just pulled my own, <laughs> my own uh, gallon of water here and I pulled that there. But that subtle communication that happens, the nonverbal communication that happens, I feel like is what you two do so well whether you're in front of the camera or behind the camera. I'm wondering if that's a skill set that people can practice, this idea of vulnerability. Do you believe it's a skill set? I think so. I think it's just a matter of doing it and taking those risks, which is scary. But once you start doing it and kind of 
try not to focus on the judgment factor. Cause I think that's what pulls people back. Like, how are people going to view me? Are they going to think I'm dumb? Are they going to think I'm an idiot? Like all these thoughts come into your head, but really I think it connects to people more than people think. So you kind of just have to trust and let it go. And I know from you that you are a hydrated fella. From that yeah. oh my God. <laughs> hey, one, one gallon of water. You got it. Yeah, it's, yeah great. it's good for the skin and it's good for your fitness regime. Yes. <laughs> but 100% though, I know you've mentioned this before as well. You've coined the idea of wall of ideas. I think you said. I think I was saying before wall of fear. Oh, yeah. That you push through and, you know, you have all these ideas. And you want to share them, but you know, all these things hold you back, the wall of fear. But if you just push past that, that's where you'll find the growth. That's where you'll find the opportunity. And it's just a matter of pushing through. Yeah. It's also kind of a good thing. Almost if you're hitting that fear, you're wanting to share something, whether it's a video or even an Instagram story where you're being vulnerable or you're being a little extra goofy or you're sharing something that is vulnerable. If you're feeling that fear, it's probably a sign that you should do it. Mm-hmm. It's probably the good thing. Since we're speaking of video content here, I feel like during the pandemic, everyone binge watched things as much. I mean, we heard Tiger King. We heard, if you're into sports, you know, you're watching The Last Dance, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Just watching anything. And then we had Club Quarantine, DJs coming over there. People were just... Yes! <laughs> right? People were just, you know, really being what you were saying, vulnerable, relatable. But, you know, outside of that, now people are experiencing some fatigue and then some are retaining the audience. And now the people that are retaining the audience are the really good storytellers. So what makes a good story? We always say a good story has to have a beginning, middle, and end. And going back to that relatability factor, also something that's a little outside of the box, a little different, because I think people's attention spans these days, they've seen everything. They know it all. So if you kind of can go from a different angle or highlight something that maybe hasn't been highlighted yet, I feel like that can really at least capture attention. Definitely. I mean, if we're thinking just in terms of what makes a funny story or what makes a catching, like an eye-catching hook, which would be the first three to five seconds of a video, we have a lot of comedy tropes that we rely on and just like making a big thing small and a small thing big. So like the end of the world is not a big deal. Your pencil breaks, it's the end of the world. A spokesperson with a really specific point of view that taps into something relatable and that's maybe unabashedly who they are and is inspirational, aspirational to people watching. All those little factors, I think, help make a story or even an ad. We really look up to the Harmon Brothers who (laughs) created the Breeze, Squatty Potty, all those ads because they took some big risks and kind of opened the door for everybody else. And it paid off for them. Yeah. I love that you brought up the comedy because I really want to get to the meat of that. And I'm someone that studies comedy. I secretly harbor this dream of having a stand-up special one day. I love that. You yes. should do it. You'd be great. I have so many inspirations, right? So, you know, you have the Hassan Minaj and then Trevor Noah. And then you have moments where you're like Gerard Carmichael, for example. I don't know if you've seen Rothaniel. No. It was his HBO Max special. But either way, each of these people, they will have different things. And you will bring in one thing I have never heard before. Make a big thing small, a small thing big. And the unique thing about you and the reason I wanted to interview both of you is you believe comedy can be used to drive sales. You actually believe that. And I don't know if a lot of people know what comedy is. What are those subtle things that we miss out on that a lot of marketers pull up on us and, 
you would see and like, oh, yeah, that's that trope. And for us, we're like... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Like, oh, we just got sucked in again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had no idea. I want to get inside your head so that I can do the same thing and the audience can do the same thing when they're trapped in sales. What they say is interesting to watch is a super duper strong POV from a person. And she talked about a little bit, but that spokesperson who has a very pinpointed direct POV, that's interesting to us. I don't know the psychology behind it, but I know we like to see strong POVs. And even in comedy, like you watch a sitcom and like George from Seinfeld has such a strong POV on everything. It's so unique. It's so niche. And laugh at that. Same things with the making a small thing big. That's a huge thing in sitcoms where George is like, this jacket's too small. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Huh. And vice versa. And what's another trope we use a lot? You know, we do a lot of personification of things, which can be pretty funny. I mean, we had an idea that actually didn't end up moving forward, unfortunately, because it was fire. But where it was for like a health food bar and it was like an actual living candy bar next to a woman on a bench being like, hey, girl, you know, you want to have a bite of me or whatever. And she's like, no, I've got my healthy food bar. And he's like, Oh no, whatever. So stuff like that. The mayhem man is a good example of that. Yeah. He personifies the mayhem, the mayhem accident. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He has that funny commercial where I'm a TikToker making a video. (laughs) And how relatable is that? Yeah. You know what I've been getting into the habit of doing? Cause I've been really creating my own like stand-up special and I know. I don't even know what it's going to be like, but I've just been collecting little memories. Yeah. Embarrassing moment. Oh, growing up in five countries, four continents. That time I said the wrong word in this moment. And I'll just reflect in multiple things like that. And it sounds like that's what you're saying, where it's something that people will relate to. When I got fired the second time or what it's like to grow up as a Nigerian in an America and then just those little inside jokes. Yes. Yeah. And that makes it so specific for you. Yeah, your specific audience, right? There's something you two believe. You say you need to understand the language of the target audience. Totally. But if you say that, how do you do that on the business side? Because now you are actually making money with clients. Do you have a set of questions for your clients? Well, we don't really have a set of questions. We should. We, yeah, we probably should. But I would say when we do our initial call with a new client, we really do a lot of listening. And I guess we kind of internally have a set of questions that we ask without even really thinking about scripting it out. But 
you know, we always want to ask people who their current audience is. Are they trying to reach a new audience with this spot or are they wanting to pull in more of the same or get those people to actually hit the purchase button? What are their goals with this spot? How much are they willing to push the boundaries in terms of comedy? Do we have free reign? Can we throw some bleeped curse words in there? (laughs) Can we put our spokesperson on a toilet? What can we do, you know? Yeah, and why do they love it? Why do they love the product or service? What's their message? What's their tone? There's all these things that go into it. And usually people that are already well-equipped will have all this information for us, which is super helpful. Then we can go and like go balls to the wall with that information. But it is a balance in terms of what we initially think comedy-wise and then still having to go along their guidelines and make sure that it's not pushing the envelope too far. So there is this balance that we have, which is probably the hardest part. I was going to ask, well, things like cancel culture play in what you think of or what's something that could be seen or misconstrued? Is that something that you think about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we definitely. Yeah, we definitely think about that. You know, sometimes people that are new to comedy think you have to be really shocking or aggressive to make people laugh. But sometimes that actually does the opposite. Mm -hmm. You don't want people to feel like alienated or uncomfortable, especially when it comes to, you know, an ad. If you're Louis C.K., okay, maybe. But like, if it's an ad, you know, that's... Yeah, but you know what? It's so funny you brought Louis C.K. as an example because we have all these stories about Louis C.K. But for some reason, the fervent fans of Louis C.K., for example, they will accept the abrasive nature. I think Bill Burr is another guy that probably has that. And then you have the other types of comedians who are, this is political humor. This is the guy who did it. Or then the understated folks. But you really have to know your specific audience. That is exactly what you're saying. You have to be comfortable losing an audience that you feel like is not going to overtake the audience that you're already going to get. I can imagine that being scary, especially if the person's brand is like, whoa, I don't want that. For sure. And that's where like a lot of communication comes into play. We go back and forth with our clients to make sure that we're hitting or not hitting certain things based on their wants and needs. It's not a perfect science in terms of What's going to connect with somebody? What's going to make them laugh or interested in the product? And that's why we do have several hooks before the core of a video and they test those out. So when we're thinking about a concept, we also have to be thinking about how many ideas can we come up with to open this? What makes a great hook in your opinion? Something that is something somebody's never seen before. Unexpected. Super unexpected. We like to do sort of, um, I guess, almost combining two different things that might not seem like they're a fit, but we make it a fit. For example, like one of our most recent videos, we have like a very put together guy in a suit, but we reveal he's sitting on a toilet, you know? In the middle of his living room. Relatable. Like those types of reels. Yeah. (laughs) I've done that a few times myself. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. That's the beautiful thing about what you two do here. And I think you're giving people permission to do that is, It's just take your lived experiences. A lot of times we get into this concept of, well, we're not them. So why would they listen to us? And then we forget that, you know, everyone does something that we share. There's a shared experience if we really reflect on our lives. We're all human. Yeah. Look at that. We're all human. (laughs) Well, (laughs) but a superhuman thing, if I could say that you too do, is this idea of you do this one-stop shop thing, this ideation, production and editing. Why 
<laughs> is the first question. And then how did you teach yourself is the second question. Even though we, you know, we are a one-stop shop and we do oversee it from start to finish, we do outsource certain things. So like when we do a shoot, depending on the scale of the project, if it's a decent budget or like a bigger scale production, we're going to outsource a DP, a director. Obviously, we're not always acting in these spots. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we outsource that. So that way on the actual shoot day, we're able to just produce and just kind of make sure that the big picture is there. It would be very hard to do every single task from... I was going to say, that's amazing. I think that's a sign of growth, it sounds like, because maybe you're scaling. So are there plans to scale the business, to build it out? Do you have a vision of what you want this to be? Yeah, I mean, I think we'd love to scale it. We'd love to... Even though we're, yeah, even though we're using contractors right now, we'd love to hire somebody to kind of like help us with the day to day. That's, I think, kind of like our next step. Yeah. We're very creative and that's our bread and butter. But when it comes to like the accounting or the outreach or the business side of things, at least I know I (laughs) have struggled. I'm right there with you. I I have my CPA. Called in a lot of favors from friends over the years who have given us a lot of guidance. And at least we know we can ask for help when we need it. But in terms of learning how to do certain things, I will say that I have learned a lot from her because she is a self-taught lady. Over the years doing the comedy videos, she taught herself how to edit. Then I eventually taught myself how to edit. And just by doing those over the years from start to finish, I think that really gave us a solid foundation for what we're doing now. I'm a big believer that sometimes I think maybe it's crazy that I think this, but I truly think that I can learn anything and get proficient in anything, except maybe playing basketball because I'm five feet or um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or some other physical limitations. And I think that's true of everybody. I think if you put the work in, you can learn and you can be able to do a skill that you never thought you could. I share that. In college, I used to... Well, when you grew up as Nigerian, there are certain career options you're supposed to have. <laughs> and then I got into this near-death experience. It was almost 10 years now. And then I was like, I'm limitless. I'm not limited. Right, yeah. It's such a mindset shift, right? So then the career path started to open up when I decided to say, I'm going to launch podcasts. I'm going to be a professor, be a writer, be a speaker. But I had to come to that. I had to teach myself how to edit or create a podcast. I had to come up with my own speaking style and all those things. And I love hearing you say that because I don't know that we teach that enough in any school, honestly. 100%. We don't. We definitely don't. Yeah. I feel like that should be taught from an early age. And I learned from her how to teach myself because I feel like I felt very limited. But I love what you say about switching your mindset to that because it's such a powerful thing. And it's so funny when we were looking at all your stuff, I was like, wait, is he an actor? <laughs> I was like, he should be an actor. <laughs> People keep saying that, but you know, I, look, I have designs to be a showrunner. That's one of my, the goals outside of the, uh, I'm just sharing all, all these. So outside of the comedy, cause I want to create more stories that aren't being told. Yeah. I always study like the Aaron Sorkins and the Shonda Rhimes and Issa Rae, all these people that are doing this. So when you two, I found that by you two in my inbox, I was like, I'm just going to be a sponge here because I love the fact that you straddle all these industries and you've made something out of it. I think it's incredible. I mean, we're always learning though. We just did a, a masterclass with Shonda Rhimes and it was amazing. He's brilliant. We're always looking to where we can take 
ideas and education and just implement it. With the writing, I mean, we're still learning every day and even just podcasts like yours, all that stuff is just, we try to absorb as much as we can so that we can just be as knowledgeable as possible. I also heard that you're also starting to give, right? You're going to create a, or you have a YouTube channel, right? That you're going to start teaching people that maybe won't be able to afford some of your services. And so you're doing that. Yes. There's an interesting market in the how-to. I think a lot of people like that behind the scenes. Just because, I don't know, I think we like to see how things get made. One of my favorite things to watch is those actors and actors talks. Entertainment Weekly and Variety does, where they're just asking each other. And you're like, yeah, how did you get into the, the scene? You know, you, you did that thing with the look there. I, I never know how to cry on stage. You know, what, what is that you're doing? <laughs> and then before they answer the question, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. You know, it's so funny because I was thinking about the laugh you did there. And I, I you know, anyway, so the question... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that stuff too. I, trust me, I love a blooper reel as well. I always watch all the shows, blooper reels. We love them. But we've done some filming for the tips and tricks and we need to get those going on the YouTube, but that's definitely the platform we want to use. And why not give back and educate and show people how they can do the same thing? Because they can. You yeah. totally can. Yeah. I mean... Maybe like if you're looking for a high production value ad, that's something maybe you need to outsource. But like in terms of just creating fun, engaging social media content for your business, anybody can do it. And I really think that's true. We've also talked about maybe putting some tips and tricks up on TikTok. I was going to say, how do you determine which one to use? Right? I just recently made the decision that it was TikTok and LinkedIn for me, but you've made that YouTube decision, right? So how did you determine which social media platform is the best one for you? Because that's not one of the questions people always ask me. And I'm always like, I don't know myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough because we're trying to have a little something on all of them, which I know which is, is probably not the best when there's only the two of us. But I think since we do video, that kind of helped us think like, okay, you know, we do a lot of YouTube ads. So then we want to have a YouTube channel where we can post our work. So that kind of helped with that decision. And then in terms of the TikTok, it's just that I feel like that's kind of the wave of the future. And TikTok doesn't require like a huge budget or all these lights. It's very user-friendly. So that's kind of what we're thinking. That said, we only have one video on our TikTok <laughs> right now. So hey, it's, it's a process. Slowest. It's a process. Yeah. I'm with you on TikTok. Dude. I just recently started experimenting. I just put these little one minute clips. I just basically stripped the audio from some of my TikToks and I use them as filler episodes in between. Mm, yeah. And I'm starting to experiment. But the reason I was asking about that is because I remember when Instagram, Snapchat and Facebook and all these things, they all had unique identifiers and then they started copying each other. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, what's the differentiator here? But then with TikTok, I've seen it launch musicians, right? I've seen it launch comedians, impressionists, all these things, advice columnists. And then there's an interesting currency that I'm seeing here, which is the same thing you've all brought up here. This idea of vulnerability where it's all stripped down and people will stay with you if you can focus on this idea of community. I imagine for your business to scale, there's an element of community that might be able to come from that because you two are actresses. Do you see that translating into the film world as well? You mean the idea of community? Building a community that ends up supporting your film as well as getting clients. Right, yeah. right. yes, definitely. Just the network we have built and the, the people we've met over the years have really come into play with our business now. We pride ourselves on working with the best people and positive people and people who are excited about doing the next thing. 
I think that definitely does translate because I, well, <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> what, what happened? How she met her boyfriend. Oh, oh was when we were doing. Oh, hey, social media. Is the social media connected you two? Uh, yeah, it is actually the new dating app. <laughs> yeah. He did Instagram videos. Yeah. We do Instagram videos. And then that's how she started being some of theirs. And then that's how they, so I'm just, and then yeah, we pointed it out. It's true though. It's true. That's why I was sliding DMs. Is a thing. So, but <laughs> that's so brilliant though, because even whether it's a romantic relationship or a relationship in general, I found that what the pandemic revealed is that this idea of video, which is what you two are experts in, it's a way of creating and developing a relationship. And if you know how to do it via video, there is a business there. Totally. Absolutely. And I think some people struggle with that, though. But you two have found a good way of doing it. And you're also in the process of growing even more. I think what I've learned from you, too, is this idea of consistency. Because you keep saying long journey. You've stayed consistent. Yeah. And that's probably what a lot of people don't do with videos when it comes to extended relationships. Yes. Video is a lot of work. So I think a lot of people, if it's scripted content, not only are you writing it, not only are you filming it, but you've got to edit it. So it's like three stages to get to that content. So just maybe taking a photo or writing a post out or uh, writing a tweet, but it's definitely really rewarding. And I think another thing that goes in hand in hand with that consistency, like not only the consistency of posting, but I kind of feel like we have a consistent voice in our our videos in terms of humor, especially. So as you go, as you you start, you know, yeah, you find it. And then it's kind of like, I think our clients, if they resonate with that voice, then that's how we kind of find each other. Same with audiences. Like when we were doing the social media videos, you know, it was a lot of women that would see when we make videos about like dating and girlfriends (laughs) and stuff like that. And if they resonated with that style of humor and that voice, they were kind of hooked. If that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. How can people work with you? Yeah, go to take2content.com. Take two with a two, number two. And we're also, we have our YouTube channel. Our emails are shelby at take2content.com and christina with a K at take2content.com. And follow us on the talk because we will start. We will. Just wait for it. Yo, you heard it. It may get weird. Hey, weird, the weirder, the better. <laughs> the weirder, the better. Okay, so before um, we wrap up, I always ask my guests this question. And you do listen to the podcast, so it's the final question. <laughs> and so my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. So how do you two use your difference to make a difference? Well, I think with comedy, it opens people up to connection. And I know I've said this before throughout this episode, but I think that is a great vehicle to connect people. And maybe that's a little woo-woo of an answer, but I do believe it's true. Being women in business, especially women in production and films, I think our difference is that we are hopefully creating content that other female audience will resonate with. And when women watch our ads, especially if it's a product specifically geared toward women, which is, we kind of get those a lot. I want them to feel like it's a genuine connection. Like we see you. We think this is valuable. If you're going to have your eyeballs on our content, it's going to make you laugh and it's going to be worth your time. And I want you to feel seen and heard. I guess that's how we would use our difference to make a difference. Brilliant. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a real joy. I've enjoyed this so much. Yes, so much fun. Thank you. (laughs) Pleasure's mine. (laughs) Well, kings, queens, royalty, till next time, use your difference to make a difference.
You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.